for the very last time this decade. This, yeah. Next time we talk, it's going to be the Roaring Twenties. Teens are over. The teens uh, are over. We're out of our teens. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's time for us to grow up a little bit. (laughs) We'll see. I don't want to grow up. Okay. (laughs) So, Chris Ryan, Alex Simmons here to talk to you about, uh, man, we we had a problem with this episode, didn't we? Yeah. We were like, oh, let's go over the decade. And we said, yeah, that's a great idea. And then we started looking back in the decade. And it was like an avalanche of creativity. There was so much stuff that we would have to talk about. That yeah, we've been a year's worth of episodes just talking about this. Oh, pandemic. oh yeah. It's crazy. So, so we, had to, we had to figure out how could we do justice but not do what everyone else is doing with, you know, top 10, top 50, top 400 lists and stuff. So, um, and we're not doing a countdown either. We're not going to let's no, start with the, of the decade. No, we're not doing no that countdown, no Damn top late. anything. Uh, <laughs> we're working with, well, you know what? It was wait, a fa- fascinating why. decade, right? Tell them why we're not doing top this, top that. Because you were talking about yeah, that. This, this is where I'm, I'm getting right there to it. Um, in the right process of, of looking at this, we, we kept seeing the best of, right? The best of. And you and I believe that there shouldn't be best of art. You know, there's, there's, there's art, you know, and, and different art touches different people in, different. in different ways. You know, you get what you need and you take it and let it nourish you and all that. So there's no best here. Everything is, you know, what lights you up, what, what, what fills your heart, what makes you be, want to be creative. That's your personal best. So this is not a best of, this is a, well, as we leave the decade, here's a few things that we noticed that are worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's not the best of, because there is so much stuff we're not going to touch. And, and you can help us with that by, by, in the comment section, listing something that touched your heart or, or, or inspired you or moved you to create over this last, over the teens, right? Over the last decade. But yeah, that's uh, right, folks, you know, because we're going to mention some music. You know, we're obviously going to be talking about films, you know, that's in, but dance, you know, anything that reached out and grabbed you and either either inspired you, as Chris said, or or even just made your day. Just you suddenly, wow, that, that's that's deep, that's significant, that was great, whatever. You know, just let us know. What, what, yeah. what was it? Well, so we're going to talk about, we have, I have some books, um, Two books, uh, three, three authors, and then a film, uh, let's say, uh, franchise, I guess we'll call it that. And then one recording artist. I was surprised that this person kept popping up in my brain, and then I kind of just, you know, went with it. So that's what I had. That's what's coming. That's what you're waiting around for. Now, Alex, give them a teaser on what you're going to talk about. Well, I've got, you know, because Chris is, is so much more the, the, the research mole than I am. Not by much, <laughs> You know, he, he buries himself in there deep, right? Um, but uh, I also have uh, a book that I'm going to do, which is not fiction, by the way. It's a book that was important to me this year, and I think um, I sort of came to it through the author first. I got to hear him speak a number of times earlier in the decade, and I followed him for a while, and I finally picked up his book. 
and I went, he's consistent, and his advice is, is good for everybody, but it's really good for creatives, especially who are struggling with, you know, doubts and, and how do I get stronger at this and that. So I'm going to bring that up. Um, I'm going to, the movie I'm going to talk about is rather recent, but the reason I'm going to talk about it is because of what happened in the audience when I went to see it, and I think a message that it threw out there, even among the people who were sitting there enjoying it, and they didn't get it. So I'm going to talk about how movies can can stimulate a kind of conversation in us that we didn't even know was necessary. So I'll bring that one up. Um, for television, I've got, uh, I'm going to talk about my favorite TV show in terms mm. of its value as a series. And I'm going to talk about two brand new TV shows that literally just started this semester. Or this semester. This season. <laughs> <laughs> you give yourself away, sir. Yeah, my academic head. They just started this season, this fall. And, and what I feel it says about the decade and what I'm looking forward to with it. And then there's, a, as far as singers are concerned, you mentioned somebody, and I'm interested to hear your take on her. But I'm going to reach back to grab one, and then I'm going to talk about a, a song that hit this year, and what I, this decade, rather, and what I liked about a video that was done based on this song that brought decades together, multiple decades together. That? And how the so, art can do that. So everybody, we have just given you a multitude of teasers. Yes. You can't possibly turn away now. Yes, Let's right, see if yeah. we can fulfill those promises. Yeah, take off your socks, <laughs> sit there, and, and get ready for it. Yeah. All right. So uh, Alex, uh, you you tell you tell us how you'd like to start. Which which area? What do you want to do? Well, since I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is fiction. Let me talk quickly about nonfiction. So, um, oh, look at that. You threw a curve. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, right in the glove. Um, okay. So, James Clear is a, um, a gentleman that I saw speak um, uh, through video, uh, it was, uh, streaming, um, at a, a marketing event. You know, and people say, well, why isn't a writer and blah, 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 you know, looking at a marketing event? Because we are entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs have to also understand certain aspects of the business. So James Clear was talking about habits, and he's a specialist. Right? He's a specialist in how human beings deal with their habits, good, bad, whatever. And through, I'm going to make, keep this short, through listening to him talk about how we develop certain habits, how certain habits impact on our social life, our professional life, our day-to-day, and simple little things, and how you can do little microcosmic things to improve your habits, to get rid of the bad ones that are slowing you down or, or getting away of your creativity. In following him over a series of months and then years, he finally did this book that just came out uh, again this year called Atomic Habits, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And yes, that's a plug. And uh, no, I'm not getting anything for it. And in, I've been reading it and there's so much savvy in there. And again, keeping it in tune with the arts and creativity uh, one of the things that a lot of artists deal with is a, a sense of doubt about whether or not we're good enough, whether or not we're, we know enough, whether or not anybody's going to care about what we write or what we create. And Imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that habit has come from childhood. But way before we were thinking about a profession, way before we were thinking about uh, even studying in school and getting academic grades and, and accolades. And so... One of the things he talks about is how you greet your day when you start. You know, many of us who have job jobs, 
we, we, the alarm goes off, we jump up and we go racing to, to get ready to go to work. And God, we don't really necessarily want to do this. I'd rather stay and do writing. I don't know. And so we start the day in a negative frame mind, in a frame of mind, or we start the day immediately jumping into the business of the day. And it's about giving yourself some time in the morning for self, for self-reflection, for your creative muses, for your dreams from the previous night to take notes, maybe to get some writing. And I know like Chris, you get up very early in the morning, you have for years, and you do your writing first thing before you go teach in school, before you go do anything else. The morning on, is short. On the best days, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. It's not always the best days. <laughs> even, even the habits of giving yourself time for self, allowing your mind to take what you have absorbed through your experiences the day before, the night before, whatever, the ideas rolling around your head, and giving yourself some time in the morning to breathe. There's a number of other things I won't go into bottom line, but it's very simple, very basic. But giving yourself permission to take some time for you and for your muse and your sense of self and your sense of self-worth to explore and come together and start the day from a calmer place. And that philosophy, which I've been approaching from some other uh, readings and things that I've been doing, has really aided me in focusing on my creativity, but also on my business, you know, on the things I have to do, organizing myself better so that I can get through things and in getting through things, completing things, being more organized, being a little bit more proactive, I feel better about myself. I feel better even about my writing because I know that if I just get this out, it doesn't have to be perfect. Let me just get it out and then I can go back, as you often say, go back, the, the real creative is in the rewrites. The real work is in the rewrites. So I give myself permission. I'm not worrying about anymore. Oh, my God, the deadline's coming. No. Breathe. Create better supportive habits for yourself. I've said enough about that. But that was one of the yeah. books that had a lot of impact and, and really helped me put myself on, a, on a, a better track, a more supportive track towards my goals. Yeah. Uh, uh guy I worked with, oh my God, 35 years ago, something like that, he used to say, uh, I don't give myself some time to listen to the sounds of my own head. And, <laughs> it, it, you know, giving yourself that time. And uh, when you were talking about the workers and the rewrites, um, I think it's Neil Gaiman, but please, you know, just correct me, don't yell at me if I got it wrong, uh, said that the first draft is you telling yourself the story. And then the, the, then the rewrites is where the story comes to, to become itself, you know, which is really cool. Um, since you talked about nonfiction, I'm going to move over just a step to the left. Um, that was two steps. That was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my wife, the goddess is at work again. Um, she reads, oh, my God, she's reading so much these days. It's so beautiful to watch. And... Um, you're biased. I, I am definitely <laughs> in her camp. It's true. <laughs> um, but one of the books that she really uh, uh, raved about, and um, this book has haunted me because I, I skipped over it. I was working on my, my uh, lit course, and mm -hmm. I was focused on a lot of crime short stories. And I kind of, oh, I don't have time for something. But... Um, I went to Libby, and if people, here's another plug, if people don't know about Libby from the public library, they really should know, you know, you can get books, uh, uh, audio books, uh, right. off your, cre uh, off your um, library, library card. card, no charge, yeah. and they show up 
in your uh, uh, Libby app, and then when you're done with them, they go back. And it's like going to the library without taking an extra step. It's just it's, it's just wonderful. So I put it on hold, and I didn't have to wait a long time. But it kind of, uh, I was lucky enough that it came just as this school break or this holiday break was happening. And I've been walking around, uh, walking, walking the dog, vacuuming the floor, you know, when I'm not editing the novel, I've been doing this stuff. And, um, you know, the morning uh, 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 T has been listening to this and that kind of stuff. And, and it's, a, it's a book called Educated by mm. um, uh, Tara Westover. 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 Tara Westover. And Tell it's it. a memoir. It's a memoir. And I... You know what? I didn't have, because I'm an arrogant guy. I got no time for this. I didn't read a single review. It was word of mouth. It was just kept popping up. And I think it's, it was going to teach me how to be a teacher, right? Or that it was going to talk about. Her last name? Just before you, you finish your story. Westover. Tara Westover. Uh, I think it's W-E-S-T-O-V-E-R. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. um so I'm ready for that, or I'm ready for this state of education in America. Uh, no. No. <laughs> that is not what this book is. Um, she grew up a Mormon in the mountains of Idaho with a father who knew three books. And two of them were Mormon, and one of them was the Bible. And... Uh, Everything he thought was right because the Lord told him so. And that was everything else. Everything else was a heathen uh, a conspiracy. That includes um, uh, getting shots, you know, vaccinations, uh, hospitals, uh, public schools. This woman never went to public school. But eventually went to Cambridge. Mm. And that journey was fascinating. Uh, I grew up in a loud and crazy household. Tara beats me out easily. It's a fascinating book, extremely well written. And it talks about simplified mindsets, sternly held that will not uh, allow any flexibility. Mm. And at this time in this country, uh, it's, it's shaken me to the core. And it keeps reminding me, you know, um, I wrote that book, A Simple Rebellion. And the more I see and the more I look, and you know, holy crap, you know, I must have been plugged into something because there's a lot of this kind of stuff in there uh, and Tara's book this week is the first time I've been exposed to it. Um, and when we speak, to, when you speak about television, remind me that I have another, I, I experienced another revelation of my ignorance, uh, tapping in to the, uh, 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 the larger history that I need to know more about. I'll talk to you about that later, but, uh, there's Tara's book, um, educated if you, if you're interested in a gripping reading and, uh, I mean, out there, it's been a fascinating experience because 
Uh, I'm used to, and you know me and you, we, we write, you know, run, jump, pow, Sam, explosion, all that. And underneath is, you know, those uh, cultural or societal comment we're mm-hmm. making. Uh, mm-hmm. But same thing with her, although it's this Idaho world, this, this you know, uh, lifestyle, this middle America lifestyle that, you know, you think you know about, but you don't, you, you got to. You got it. Holy cow. So that's what I'll give you. Um, I'm going to talk about two fictional authors since we're talking about books. Um, one, uh, both fictional authors. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I say one, I'll give you two. Um, uh, one is because I'm looking at a bookshelf full of this guy. Um, and I, this last decade was when I really uh, uh, exploded my interest in him. Um, and that's Joe R. Lansdale. And he is, uh, you know, he, he's kind of a, a, a pulp writer, a genre fiction writer. A, you know, he's kind of has a cult following at this point. Nicest guy, everyday guy, you know. You met him at a couple of writers' conferences, didn't you? Yeah, I met him. I, yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to meet him at one. He was very kind to me. He had no reason to be. And that's, that's a role model. I'll always remember to behave in that way. And uh, I had the... Uh, I got to sit next to him at dinner. It wasn't, you know, it was just the sit-down dinner that the conference provided, and there was a seat next to him. I said, Joe, is this? And he says, no, sit on down. <laughs> oh, it was so nice of him. And, you know, it wasn't like uh, I geeked out or anything like that on the outside. Yeah, um, but in having the conversation and listening, you know, I would put my two cents in once in a while. Um, he and his friends allowed me. Uh, I wasn't the only younger member or, or newer writer there, but allowed me to have that moment that, oh, oh, this is what it would feel like to belong to a world that I want to belong to. Um, so he inspires me as a writer, but has the way he conducts himself. So that, that's somebody from the decade. Now, as far as work is concerned, because Joe is a personal influence for me, uh, and I would love people to give him a try. Um, but as far as um, impact on the uh, consciousness of the country. Mm. Uh, you know, all hail the popcorn king. Yeah, go and read Joe. But as far as impact is concerned, I think Joe would agree that uh, the work that Don Winslow did uh, in the, uh, the kind of the border trilogy, which was all about the Mexican-American drug trade, and it was a trilogy of books, um, I think those books will have uh, kind of a reverberation uh, still in the new decade. Uh, well, they're fiction or nonfiction? They're fiction, but okay. they're based on uh, research and and uh, experience that he had down there. Um, and then he had a lot of contacts and did a lot of research. And, you know, it's that fiction that's like... Uh, real world adjacent you know right yeah um and uh yeah you really get (laughs) you really get a sense of how much more elaborate the problem Mm -hmm. is than replacing fencing you know i mean yeah most of the drugs down there come through the the border crossings they just come right through. It's, you know, 
you don't need a fence if you're letting them right through, you know, it's, and it's not, you know, it gets very complicated and all that sort of stuff. Uh, fascinating uh, trilogy of books. Don Winslow, I think, is someone that would be remembered from this decade. Uh, any other books you want to move to? Uh, no, no, I think we, we can move to movies. But I, I do want to say that just I have to because I'm old. Um, is that what? When, you said, when you said Don Winslow, I immediately heard in my head Don Winslow of the Navy, which was a pulp character from <laughs> no. back in the day. Yep, that's uh, right. This guy's popular. This guy's a, a best-selling author, New York Times well, best-selling he's author. He's probably named after that pulp character. Yeah. So I, I cannot test. I cannot deny or confirm that fact. <laughs> I knew you would say that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, movies. I only have one. Now, what do you got? I have, like I said, my approach on this one was kind of interesting because there's a lot of movies that we saw throughout the, the past, you know, 10 years, um, many of which, you know, I was like, it was fun, it was great, it was this. Uh, if I were going to talk about, which I know you're going to talk about, um, this particular ensemble of films by this one particular massive media uh, powerhouse, I would say there were two movies within that that I really, really liked. But I'm going to leave that for you, and I'll comment when you start. What All I right. will comment on is James Bond. Um, you know, <laughs> I I grew up. I you know, I grew up. I mean, I I was I was alive and, and a, t a young teenager when Sean stepped into those shoes way back, way back in the day. And to me, Sean Connery has always been James Bond. Now. There's all these other actors who portrayed him over the years. And in the past 10 years, you know, we had a little bit of Pierce Brosnan uh, and we had that was uh, 20 years ago. You old coot. <laughs> and Pierce had is like the Brosnan, 80s, bro. Had, had uh, uh, Timothy Dalton. We had all these other people. Uh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Ah, yes. From the second James Bond to me, you know. There's, there's always going to be, like for Sherlock, there's always going to be Battle Rothbone. He's my heart. He's the first one. But I like what Jeremy Britt did, and I like what we have now, uh, Cumberbatch. But for Bond and for Daniel Craig, I think Craig managed to embody that same power and that same fierceness of the character, and yet a certain sort of style and roughness. And I enjoyed that. And I've enjoyed watching him play this character. But the new movie that he just did, Knives Out. Yeah. Okay. I went to see it with my daughter, which, by the way, anybody, if you have kids and they want to go to the movies with you, especially when they're older, go, because it means somehow you did something right and they still like you. That's right. But my daughter says, I want to go see this. And, and, and my, uh, one of my sons came with us and it was great. So we're watching the movie. And, and at the end of the movie, I'm listening because I always listen to the audience. I'm hearing people going, but, you know, he wasn't he wasn't this. He wasn't that. He wasn't. He wasn't, you know, I mean, I'm used to him in Bond. I don't understand why. You know, and I'm, I'm cracking up inside because I wanted to see, just a few weeks before, 21 Bridges, which yeah. is a, a, a new detective chase film with um, uh, the actor from the Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, lead actor. Chaz with Chaz. Uh, a Poseman, right. Yeah, and I went to see what he did with this new role. I didn't go to see, oh, Chaz playing the Black Panther. But again, at the end of the film, the audience was, some of the members of the audience were going, I can't believe he gave up being the Black Panther to play this. And I'm thinking, wow, people, they're actors. Mm -hmm. They are actors. And I'm wondering, you know, I, as I listen, going back to Knives Out, 
the character that you see Daniel Craig play in this movie is not James Bond. Right. I mean, and Chris Evans is not, not Captain America in that movie. Right. It's not any of the... Uh, right, yeah, he is in that. I wasn't going to mention that. But yeah, he is in that. It's, it, it's not any of the other roles you've seen him play. And he's enjoying it. You can tell he is enjoying creating and being this new character. And I just wonder about, you know, you grow up, you know, when you grow up with people like John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, and some of these other character actors who can play different levels, but people keep seeing them as, you know, the actor. I realize, you know, we're still doing that. And to vilify or to just go nuts in the theater over an actor playing someone other than the character you want them to play, it's like, let go, folks. That's what artists do. Right. right. It's like, you know, we're not married to, you know, a writer that we love writing exactly the same story every time. He or she is going to, maybe they'll do a series with the same character, but they're putting the character through these these new stories, these new journeys. We're learning different things about them. They're encountering new people. It's a new story. And when you have actors, actors, you know, these ones I, I revere, they want the challenge of playing someone other than the, the two or three or four other roles they played before. They want that opportunity oh. to stretch and expand. And I think Craig does a great job in this. And I just wonder if we as a society, and I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying, I'm just wondering, if we're so used to what used to be tabloid, you know, a grocery store tabloid, you know, we're into their life, we're into their life, they belong to us. I'm wondering if we're so used to being into these actors' lives now through all this media stuff, that we see them as the actor wearing that suit, as opposed to the actor will now take on his or her new role. And can we just go with them and see what they do with it and explore and experience the film that they're doing, the, 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 the story that they're telling? Hmm. Because a whole bunch of people work very hard to tell this story. Well, I, I ran into similar difficulty over the last two weeks. Uh, because the goddess deemed it so, we went to see The Rise of Skywalker the Thursday ah. night before it came out. And um, people that I knew knew that I... And everyone came up with the same question. Is it any good? I'm hearing the reviews are terrible. And I kept saying, lower your expectations and open your heart, you know? It, it, there's no film in the world that's going to walk on the water, right? Mm-hmm. But this, this, and I think it's, you know, again, we talked a little bit last week about this 24-hour programming and programming yourself. You know, and I think it's, we have so much access to what people think, and, there's, and they're all hustling to get you to keep you there, your eyes on their stuff, so they have an opinion on everything, and we start getting programmed to believe everything they say. And I kept mm. saying, y- you grew up with this story. Just go and let them tell you the story they're telling you. There's no, there shouldn't be hurdles that a story has to get over. You know, there's so many people who are trained to be critics. And I, there's a couple of critics I really respect, and I listen to what they have to say and all that sort of stuff. But there are so many more that are just trained to say no. 
And I told her there was this one kid in high school kid. She was sitting a couple of uh, seats away from me um, while I was eating lunch one day. And she said, you know, that movie's going to suck. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you're a theater kid. So you should know if you don't like the show, don't buy a ticket. And <laughs> she was all mad at me because, you know, she's been so programmed to just be, you know, announced bile. You know, not maybe her in particular, but uh, there's, there's an element out there that is like that. And I wonder if that's making us as a society dimmer. I, you know, I, you I know? think, if anything, it, it's diluting our ability to judge for ourselves. And because ultimately, if, if one must immediately assume, and I, I've even been guilty of this, but not, not like a plague. Um, you know, I, I had an assumption. I, I even made an assumption recently that I may have to eat my words. Mm. The, original, the, original, the original film, Little Women. I saw it as, uh, you know, when I was younger, I saw it as an adult. Um, I think there are elements of that story that ring true within the, the time period that the particular film was made, and obviously the book, which was written prior. I think that that film, because of when it was made, resonates better with the book. And I've seen some remakes of it that were horrible. Okay. So there's a, new, there's a new version coming out. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, once again, it's like, do something new. They're, they're going to do Little Women. And I'm wondering, are they going to do what they've done before? And I'm thinking about this. And I actually said to my daughter, I said, they're going to have to work really hard because, you know, the message that that book told and the message one of the earlier films told really resonated well. They understood that psyche. And we're in a different place now. And, I, you know, I just I, I, are they just retelling the story? Well, I saw the trailer for it. And I'm thinking, oh, Damn, I I may have to eat my words. Ah, uh, I, I may have to, you know, because mm -hmm. but see, even I got sucked into that assumption that they may not come to the material with reverence or with right. with a, a, a solid take on an yeah. old theme that is still, even in this new world, valid. And, we're just, you know, we're just what, very quick to pull the trigger on that stuff. Yeah. You know? But anyway, so I'm just saying that right. I think I think what we we've both been saying, but certainly what I was going at with the with the Daniel Craig thing is is like, you know, let us try and see films and read stories for the tales that are being told at that moment. Yeah. And let us try and let artists be artists, you know, and that means right. actors actors and do new roles. True. That's cool. And I enjoyed Daniel Craig in there. It was a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those Sean Connery guys, but uh, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised every single time. And it's very watchable, enjoyable films and stuff. Yeah. Now, as far as watchable, enjoyable films from this last decade um, that I think are going to resonate into the future. Uh, I, and you, you tipped our hand. Uh, I have to point out, and again, remember, we're not going to the best ever, the, the, the top ten, no, we're not doing any of that. But the one that I think is going to be, uh, the, the one grouping that I think is going to resonate is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, How so? Well, first, there's a lot of content there. At a time, at an age, when people are hungry for content. And they love to binge and all that sort of stuff. And each new group comes up and want to discover it for the own, their, them, themselves. Uh, 
And now, with Disney Plus, there's a <laughs> section just for Marvel, and it makes it very easy to watch a ton of stuff, right? Um, and not all, you could really nerd out because not only do they have all the films, or I think they're missing Infinity War, but within a few months or so, they'll have all of the films. And then you can watch them. They, they will tell you the order. They will do you know, everything you can do. And then there's a ton of extras for each. So if you're in that, you can get just ever more you can get into it. And I think as they're going on, people will begin to realize the breadth and depth of this accomplishment. You know, there's the naysayers are saying, oh, the Endgame shouldn't be given any Oscar nod. Well, you know, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about awards. What I do know is they told a tale that became more and more tightly woven for over 23 movies. One movie being a coda to the big finale, right? Mm -hmm. And never been done before. Never been accomplished. It has changed the way we can tell tales at a time where an audience is, an enormous audience is growing for a tale that long. Mm. You know, people, yeah, it's so wild. Again, in New York, I mean, not in New York, excuse me, in my uh, day job uh, as a high school teacher, I'll sometimes when I'm doing, you know, working with some kids or we're, we're finishing a test or they're changing classes, just listen, you know, shut, shut up, Chris, and just listen. Mm-hmm. And I am so often shocked by what they're binging or what they've listened, you know, I mean, entire series that are from our deep past. Really? Racing. Yeah. You know, um, stuff that you would be like, wait, I, I don't even remember that myself. And now <laughs> the, they can also go and find, you know, the more hungry, the more appetite you have, the more you can find because there are so many services out there and they have connections to all of them. God bless. Um, so Marvel is positioned perfectly to benefit from that. Mm. You know, to a lesser extent, uh, I think Star Wars also, um, and Star Wars has recently shown that there's life after the, the uh, Skywalker saga. Because while the rise is, is you know, eating up the box office, God bless it, uh, uh, John Favreau's The Mandalorian has yeah. been wonderfully successful at doing two things. One, showing the, the future that there is the Star Wars has a future and also tapping in to ancient Americana tropes, you know, the Western tropes and, and, and you're, so you have a wide audience for that from, you know, geezers like me and you to the youngins just coming up now, you know? Uh, so I, I think that that kind of stuff is where, the future of movie making, the future of storytelling is going to uh, live. We may still go to the cinema, or it may still be a cinema event, but the lifeblood, you know, is going to be that people can still dip into that pond and pull something out and watch it, you know, and that's pretty cool. So that's what I have to say about movies. Um, 
hopefully, you know, if, if you disagree, if there's some, oh, you should have talked about this, go ahead. Please. Well, I think, A, I think absolutely people should should comment on all this because that's where some of the fun for us is. Um, and I would say, again, I, I have no disagreement with you in terms of a first, really. I mean, because up until this point, and it wasn't even consistent, one story connecting to the other. The Bond films was one of the longest running uh, film uh, series that I could think True. of. True, but they yeah. don't. But, but like they, I said, they, didn't each one is it can be, be held almost to itself. I think the last Daniel right. Craig kind of had it through line, but yeah, but that's you know, what I'm saying. I, I, I was pointing that out that yeah, the, in terms of the films keep coming, that's one thing. But a whole universe interwoven, in, including television, because they did manage to weave TV with S.H.I.E.L.D. and and the, the Daredevil... Um, and uh, Ancient and, Agent Carter. Right. Uh, they, they, pulled yeah. all those elements. they had their little threads attached to the greater film universe. So I think that's fantastic. I think also the, you know, uh, we talked about this with, with, with Endgame, and I mentioned it in terms of my affection for uh, Winter Soldier. I think that some very strong uh, ethical stories were told. I think they were true, both the, the writing and the actors. Certain actors were true to their characters throughout. Yeah. And they made very clear statements 100% of the way through the experience. So I think there's a lot of hat tipping to be done oh, yeah. to some work that was done in, in uh, this this. Let, this let me point one other thing out. You and I, we might watch an old Western and say, wow, look how packed that cast was. Mm -hmm. Right or like yeah. Casablanca. Wow, look how many people in that. Right, this generation coming up, they're gonna say that about those movies. Think about uh, Infinity War and Endgame. There's like forty, maybe more than forty top stars, bankable, can open a movie on their own stars in those movies. That's that's gonna. Uh, there's no way that's not gonna resonate with people and say, "Oh my God, look at all this," you know. And God bless it. Fun, 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 yep. fun. So TV. Uh, go ahead. You know what? I had to scribble some notes then. I hadn't thought about TV, but I have a little something, something. So, so you go first. All right. Well, I'm gonna take a chance. Uh oh. This is this. You can. I'm opening myself up. You may. You may have to call me a geezer. Okay. Because um, I can't really remember whether this was from the teens, but I, I, I feel like this show happened early in the teens. Okay. And that's an HBO show called uh, New, The Newsroom. And New yeah, The Newsroom. And uh, you can still Google The Newsroom opening scene. Oh, yes. And that's one of the most powerful opening scenes, and it's one of the most powerful commentaries uh, on America, you know, uh, from, a, from a certain point of view, of course. Uh, Aaron Arkin, right? No, Aaron Sorkin, excuse me, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. Yeah. Um, great performance. Jeff Daniels is the actor. Aaron Jeff Sorkin Daniels, what a great series. performance. And I love the whole series, but... Wow, I'm talking about one scene that I that stuck out from a decade. So hopefully it's the right decade. Um, and I want to mention one other that I got educated on 
recently. I skipped this series, and it came out this year. So sorry if it's too timely. Um, but uh, a podcast of Mark Bernard and Kevin Smith. Uh, they talked about it, and I went back and watched uh, watched it. Uh, it's the the Watchmen season one of the Watchmen, and um, it's the guy who made Lost made this. And you know, I did I watched an interview. Mark Bernard had a, like an hour interview with him. Uh, I actually listened to it. Um, and Lindenoff is his name. And he said, you know, I'm not the guy to make this this show. He says it's about yeah, at least a good chunk of it is about being black in America. And I'm not that guy. So how do you handle that? And it was so so much of an echo of earlier episodes we had about research. And you get to surround yourself with the right people so that you do the right thing about it. And I'm listening to them having watched the nine episodes. And it opens up with this really disturbing piece of fiction. According to this limited guy, the slaughter of Tulsa, 1921. That's not fiction. That's not. No, no, no. That was me. That was me saying that. I'm watching it saying, wow, they went, how did they make this up? And then I realized there's a gap in my, you know, my history and knowledge. I did, so now, now I'm off and running and holy shit, I got to learn out more about this and all that stuff. And it's not the only slaughter. And holy crap, you know, da, da. and you know, you know about the civil rights movement and all that stuff. But when you find something like this, Sunday. it's such a new revelation. Right. And now you know about a simple rebellion. There's an entire section of the book there where they, this is before the cages down south. Well, I put this book out and the powers that be in this book, which is slightly in our future, they wiped out an entire Muslim community. And we, pl I placed it in um, Tim Fielder's uh, hometown. As kind of a, a nod to him and all the work that he's done to, you know, uh, take care of his people there. Uh, and uh, I did it out of, out of respect. I used that town, um, but they wipe that town out and they imprison everybody. Um, and it's how did I? how did I tap into that without having the conscious knowledge of Tulsa and some of the other stuff, you know? So now I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> I didn't do anything special. Sadly, I just tapped in to how America's been way too often. You know, when you can miss an entire massacre, and still have a knowledge that America does this kind of stuff once in a while, or, or did, um, you know, Charleston, yeah, Charlottesville, you know, um, it's 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 something that needs to be um, noted. And for whatever else you think about Watchmen, here they are. They got up to bat. And they tried their best. Whether you think it's a success or not, it's not for me to say. I was impressed. I will watch it again. I will, I will listen to the notes. I will do more research. But anything that can, could point to me, a blaring, glaring 
hole in my personal education, uh, you know, I will I will tip my hat to it. And um, again, I find it I find it a I you know um, I'm glad that you were exposed to this and and for whatever you know whatever people may think of the show and I don't know what they think and I'm not even insinuating right. some people it. the show. The bottom line is, if you had that reaction to that scene, we know that you must represent a certain percentage of the country. And so, you know, they got some information out that folks weren't aware of. I was, I've been aware of this for multiple years, and it was, as I, I mumbled earlier, it was almost uh, a blackjack storyline some 10 years ago. You know, it was, I have the research you know, here in my house. And you and I have known each other forever, and obviously we never talked about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. We talk about what other, what other Black Shack stories do you have, and it hasn't come up, but, uh, well, We'll talk you know. about that. We'll yeah, talk well, about that. But, I mean, yeah. that's that's the reality of, of what happens when you go forth. You know, it's like, when, again, bringing it back to art, we reflect life. We reflect yeah. Our personal experiences, we reflect what we hear, what we see, what we study. Yeah. The impressions that we get just in passing people on the street, we reflect that. And so whatever is in the back of our minds, conversation we may have heard as children but didn't consciously lock on, but it's in there. It's yeah. in there. And these and, things come out through us and our work. And, and, and it, we need it. We need it so much. You know, and it's not just America. You know, I'm, I'm, we're recording this, and I recorded on my uh, iPhone, and headlines come up. And, you know, another story about uh, China's abuse of the Muslims uh, uh, came up while we were recording this. You know, mm -hmm. it's, oh, God, I, I don't know what it takes for us to learn, you know? I don't, you know, and, and, <laughs> and I say, I laugh because Watchmen, in a crazy ass way, mentions that and talks about that. That one of the villains in it, you know, in the actual original gra graphic novel, uh, they dropped it out of the comic book, but they brought it in for this show. They reference that he dropped like a big space squid in New York City to unite everybody against an alien as opposed to continuing to fight each other. And here we are in the headlines, we're still tearing up each other apart and we're still crapping all over the greatest resource we have and denying that we're doing it. Yes, artists, we need you to make these statements. We need you to make them again and again and again. That's, that's our function as artists is to, is to communicate and to heal and to spread a chance, a hope, you know, and I, and I, God bless it. I didn't want to like Watchmen, but I thought they did it. Well, you, you, you did it and, and you said it and I'm glad. Um, there you go. <laughs> television, television. I'll just quickly say, cause you know, we're, 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 we're on the clock here. Um, three things, um, in terms of longevity, in terms of creativity, in terms of making things work, uh, the last 10 years of, of the original NCIS, as far as I'm concerned, it's still going to be a monumental influence on me going forward. Even if it gets canceled next week, I don't care. Uh, the show has shown what happens when you keep characters developing, when they, the problem they solved six weeks ago comes back to bite them on the butt because that's what life does. Uh, when people leave, when people die, 
how it changes your world and what you have to do. If you do something really foul, it will come back to you and you have to deal with that and what it is to be ethical and believe in things. Uh, that series has done it. Yes, there have been spinoff from it that other people love, and I think that's great. But I'm absolutely very thankful for the fact that this show did their job so well. And, cool. and I will also say, you know, that people are going, yeah, but, you know, it says that when they're offset, this and that, you know, I don't care. I, I, I didn't. Mark Harmon and I don't hang. OK, none of none of the actors, the, you know, the um, DiPaolo and, and uh, wonderful people on screen. I don't know them off screen. I don't need to. The characters that I watched each week, the DVDs that I have that I revisit or streaming that I revisit, I'm revisiting those characters. <laughs> OK, and so what they do in their personal time, that's not my business. I've enjoyed the show and I look forward to, you know, however they ended. I hope they ended well. Uh, because uh, it should it should go out on a bow. Um, two new shows that have come on recently, just this fall, uh, Bob Hart's Abishola. We talk about, you know, a wild shot in a time when all this conflict and craziness is going on and divisiveness and blah, 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 blah. You're going to tell a story about an overweight white dude with money, but he's just an average kind of guy trying to help keep a family business going, falls in love with a Nigerian nurse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what's the name of that show again? Bob Hart, the Hart, Abishola. <laughs> Abishola is the nerd. And he, there's nothing classically chiseled beauty about him or her. They're, they're people. I love yeah. the fact that he's got, you know, she looks like a real person and she's got a wonderful smile when she smiles. But, you know, there's all of this, and it's fun. It started out slow, and I wasn't sure where it was going to go, but I like where it is. I don't know if it's going to make it, because I don't know what kind of audience this show is going to really pull in, but I've enjoyed it, and I'm glad someone took a shot at doing it. That's and the beautiful. last one is All Rise, which is a black woman who becomes a um, superior court judge. And in my house, there is justice. And she doesn't have it all together, but she's trying so hard. And there's family things. And again, this show... Okay, a black woman, you would think, oh, that was their... No, they don't stop there. Most of the lead characters are women. You know, her boss is a woman. The head of the chambers is a woman. Uh, there's, there's different ethnicities, different uh, sexual preferences, but it's a predominantly powerful house of women. And the, the themes and things they go through have been just entertaining, and it's it, it rung the right bells. Is it absolutely the best show ever? I, I don't go there. I'm enjoying right. it. I'm glad right. someone built this house too. So those three shows, the old NCIS, uh, Bob Hart's Abishola, and All Rise, uh, All Rise, and, as my all of them are on CBS, as I think about it. Okay. How about that? <laughs> CBS a, owes us a check. Yes. <laughs> um, and and you know, so I think again, we're, we're we're trying things. We're trying things, and and we have some old things that have been solid. And I think that's a good that's a good bell to ring. Let me just say, CBS, cut the check. Come on over. <laughs> so, so you uh, rolling towards the end of the show, you've got some more stuff to cover. So I only got one. Got? I only have one more thing. Oh, um, really? It's impossible. It's impossible to look Jump at a decade of the sky. It's just impossible. <laughs> oh no, I'm what sorry. That, that, that wasn't what you meant. But it was such a segue because we're going into music. So there we go. And I'm yeah. using that term loosely on Alex's voice. You know that, but no, it's okay. Uh, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, 
decade of music, you know? I mean, oh, man, what do you... It's crazy to try and put a list together. Are you going to talk about Prince? Are you going to talk about this person? Are you going to talk about hip-hop? What are you going to talk Here's what I'm going to do. The only thing I, I want you to tell... you got Put on the comment section, uh, this was worth listening to, this was worth listening to, and, and we will. Um, here's the one person that... Uh, uh, it caught me out my eye. She's the first person uh, born in this century to top the Billboard charts. Mm. Uh, but I'm not a, you know, okay, great, that's fine. Um, that's not how I learned about her. Uh, how I learned about her is living in the house with my sons, and they went through a phase where they were playing her a lot, and it caught me. It just, I, I kept asking, what is that? Play a little more of that. Let me, let me hear that, you know? And, and then they eventually um, convinced me to, actually join Apple Music so I could listen on my own. To, you, know, you can really get listen to anything head. now. You know, <laughs> Dad, get out of our head. Just here, there, listen there. And I did. And um, her name is Billie Eilish. And she's, right now, she's 18, right? She and her brother made some music and went out. I think they released it on YouTube first or something like that. and uh, Or Spotify or something. And it started blowing up, and then they got a deal, and they did an album. The album came out when she was 17. She was yeah, on well, a couple geez. of tours. Uh, she was on Saturday Night Live with, um, she did the old um, Fred Astaire, when, uh, and Michael Jackson did the same thing when you dance around, the, the room turns around, and you look like oh, you're dancing yeah, on the ceiling, room, all that yeah. stuff. No, she's not Michael Jackson-level dancer or Fred Astaire dancer, you know, but she... She was very modern and fresh in the way she approached it. Mm -hmm. And she's very comfortable with who she is at such a young age. And she approaches lyrics and phrasing and singing. And the brother, uh, um, I guess she has a, a, some input on the arrangement, but he's an arranger and producer. And together, their sound is very uh, uh, fresh and interesting. And it evokes for me uh, that kind of creative adventurism that uh that i used to hear in david bowie and that might be putting a yoke on her shoulders that she doesn't that you know that god you know damn with faint praise you know um but that's the kid that i'll watch grow you know it's not my music it's another generation of music but uh i was uh i was fascinated by her. you know this last decade i was also fascinated by gaga so you know, every once in a while I see someone say, well, what is that person doing? You know, and uh, that's the idea. Just be creative and put stuff out there and let people pick it up that you finish the connection. And that's what creativity is all about. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, a fascinating decade. Uh, I pray for the next decade. How about you? <laughs> well, OK. Yeah, well, we definitely got to pray for it. I uh, also got to do some work to help it. Um, so musically for me, Bruno Mars did Uptown Funk. And this uh, one song, fun song got play, 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 play all over the place. And a couple of places where it really got me was, um, I think they call it, uh, let's see if I got this right. It's Nerdfest UK. Some producer grabbed up multiple, multiple scenes from old films of various dancers from the MGM era 
and and the Nicholas Brothers and all these other guys. Oh, Nicholas Brothers. Edited. I mean, Shirley Temple with Bojangles, all these clips. Edited <laughs> all of these clips in perfect sync sync with Bruno's song. Oh, cool. Oh, it is, it is, uh, I mean, I was playing it to death, right? So I, I, but I'm telling you, when you when you see this video, it's on YouTube, folks. It's it's literally, I think it's uh, old movie stars dance to uh, Uptown Funk. You, you just okay. Google it, you'll find it, or, or, you know, YouTube. But it's amazing. It is so well done. And it is also such a beautiful uh, amalgam of eras and styles and people and talent pulled mm. together into this one collective experience. And I just think, it, I'm just really glad this person did this. I think it's brilliantly done. And it just shows that, you know, what's old can be new, that we can, that the new can be uh, inspired by the old or collaborate with the old. I, I, it's, and it creates this, this totally different experience then, you know, the, the music videos that are out there where people are dancing to Bruno's song, but it's contemporary people doing it. It's just it's just such a wonderful uh, amalgam, a mixture. So that was one that got me. And then the other one that got me uh, was uh, Justin Timberlake um, released a song that he sang with Chris Stapleton, some more country, um, called Saying Something. And I, I joke with Chris, I'm not sure what they're saying, but the song... <laughs> The song, it's, it's, you know, again, it's one of those songs that's easy to listen to, but the video, the music video, again, and I use this in my cinema studies class with my students and with my screenwriting students, um, it's all one single camera shot that starts at the top of this building in this isolated uh, sort of uh, uh, bright lights coming through a window in a dark room kind of feel. And it moves through these rooms, out into a hallway, this very well-known building location in Los Angeles. It's been used in hundreds of movies, Dead on Arrival and, and Outer Limits, Man with yeah. the Glass, and in a bunch of other films. It moves through this entire building, down the stairs, down in the elevator, the birdcage elevators, and all that, while he, Justin, and Chris Stapleton are singing and others are performing this song. It's all one shot. It yeah. is amazing. And again, you know, it's this, it's talent on so many levels. It's it's the talent of the song. It's the talent of the singers. It's the talent of the musicians. It's the talent of the cameraman. It's the talent of the crew that mapped this out and made this work. And I, Lord knows how many times they had to shoot it until they finally got that one shot that worked absolutely but it's so impressive it is so impressive and i think that that's one of the things that i took out of this this decade is again watching you know because what's it uh, timberlake started out years ago mm -hmm. and you know gone any number of ways with his music but he is a musician he's very much a musician and i would i would not i'm don't don't anybody freak out now i'm not saying he's eric clapton i'm not saying that at all what i'm saying is clapton you know, starting way back when he did with the, with Cream and coming forth in his career, Clapton made a comment once on a, an interview that he's a musician, that he learns from other musicians, that he learns from music, and music is his king. And I feel like at times Justin seems to have a similar mindset because he, his songs are not just the stuff that you keep pumping out. It's, it plays to his audience, 
but he seems to be experimenting with it and he seems to be mm -hmm. looking for something with it. So I feel like, you know, he's another person who, who seems to respect music and oh, yeah. fun him working with others to make this experience that I enjoyed. Um, so that, that, that was, oh, and then one, one last thing, Robert Palmer. He's not from this, this era. He's from, he's from my era. Going back. Yeah. Well, but I was, the I was way back about, machine. Yeah, I know. I really did. But I was thinking about these other songs that I just mentioned and I was walking through the grocery store before I came, you know, to, to my space so we could do this recording <laughs> and they're pumping through the grocery store. It takes every kind of people. Ah, that's a great song. It is a great song. And I was watching the people in the store as a son, as a few of them started to actually hear the lyrics and you see different folks rocking to it. You see a couple of people going, Oh yeah, remember this song. Yeah. That was only, you know, and what you were saying earlier about, you know, again, we would, we, we mentioned divisiveness and things like that because it's stuff we deal with, it's stuff we have to deal with. And going forward, what the hell are we going to be facing? The messages from decades ago still resonate in this decade. And I think it's good to remember that, that some messages are universal and timeless. It does take all kinds of people. And you and I both have said it at different times, independent of one another, one of the things that, that could make this country the thing that it's supposed to be is the fact that there's so many different types of people here. That the power is in the fact that we're not all one thing. That we're from different cultures, different backgrounds, different ancestries. And when we pull together, damn, what a force. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, As now we it's your turn, everybody. Anybody who's out there... Uh do us a couple of favors. One, look back at the decade and mention in the comments something that we didn't mention that you think, oh, people should remember this or people should think about this. Secondly, if there's music out there today that has the kind of strong message that we're talking about here and we haven't heard it, turn us on. We'll listen. I promise we'll listen. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of... Uh, We'll get some uh, uh, creative sustenance from the new music as well as the old. Absolutely, uh, and, right. and not just uh, you're sharing you're sharing your artistic vibes, muses, inspirations with not just with us, but with the people that we share it with. That's right. So really, with our feeding, vast audience. Yes, we're feeding. Have a to chance all. to turn on your ideas to our empire. <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, yeah, 20 uh, teens, nice to know you. 2020s, be gentle with us, baby. <laughs> well, you know what they say, 2020, you know, hindsight is 2020. So let's let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, we need some kind of sight. All right, brother. <laughs> it's, been good. it's been good, Chris. You take care. It's Happy been New good. Year. Happy New Year to everybody Happy. out there. And Happy see you in 2020. When you be safe or well, be safe, get ready. New Year 2020. We got to tell the damn story damn. all over again. We need new stories. We need new vitality. Get in there. Tell the damn story, yo. Take care, buddy. Peace. Peace. <laughs>